Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Trail Runners Experience. I'm here with a Drew athlete, Distance Runners Unlimited athlete that is, uh, who has just returned from uh, a faraway land <laughs> where she completed the Marathon de Sables. Um, and welcome Courtney Dowd. Thank you very much, thanks for having me. It's so good to see you again. Um, and you've been back in Australia for how long? Uh, about three days at this point. Yeah. I went for a bit travelling after the race as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us where you travelled to? We'll get to the race in a second, okay. but can you tell us where you travelled to after the race? Yeah, so um, the day the race finished, we spent two days extra in Wazazat, in the desert, um, just relaxing. Um, and then I went to a beachside town called Essawara in, um, in Morocco and then Marrakesh. Um, and then I travelled on to Portugal for nine days, France or Paris for another three days. And then I spent about a week to a week and a half in London. Wow. So you've taken like the whole runcation thing to a whole <laughs> new level. <laughs> I tried to, yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. No, it's, um, oh, I've been really excited to, to catch up with you with about all this because like lots of people have been asking me about, oh, how Courtney, had Courtney go? How's Courtney going? Because, um, you know, you, you've taken, a, you took on a really massive race. Mm. And um, so before we get too much, you know, maybe we could give people some background into sort of how you, where you came from as a runner or an athlete and um, so yeah. Um, I'd probably say how where I came from as a runner was not very far. <laughs> I probably don't, I wouldn't have previously classified myself as probably a runner as such in that I previously, I, like I dabbled intermittently throughout the years um, but historically I'd already always hated running like I wouldn't run unless there was a ball at the end of it but I did come from a sporting background um, but then I had a knee injury in about 2012 and the only thing I could do for a little while was run in a straight line and so then I kind of was so excited to exercise that I just at that point got into running a little bit and I did probably half a dozen to maybe a dozen half marathons and I did my first marathon around that time as well um, and then I took a break or it all kind of tapered off for a little bit um, until last year where I was my most unfit and I came to you. <laughs> yeah, um, but when you say most unfit, you're come, coming from someone who's all, you've clearly always done some kind of activity. Yeah. It's not like you had 30 odd years of being no. sedentary, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So. so I think when I was, um, like as a teenager and into my 20s, I was at Sassy for volleyball and then um, I oh, used wow. to play a lot of netball and yeah. then... Um, and I've always, yeah, I've always had been sporty or athletic to a very, like a varying degree. Um, but it was, it was never really running focused. Um, but I mean, there's running in most sports these days, yes. unless yeah. you're in swimming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> very true, very true. <laughs> um, no, that's amazing. And so you, when did you email me? You emailed me. Well, going back a while now, isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, I think I was trying to think about this, and I was thinking maybe October last year. Yeah, so really not that long ago, yeah. given what you've just accomplished. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> so yeah, um, you came to me, and um, you were obviously you had this. You were unsure. I remember the email. Yeah. You were you gave me lots of information about yourself as a person, um, and as an athlete, and then you were like you wanted to do this race and I so can you describe okay well maybe tell me what is the race that you wanted to do I've just mentioned it okay. what uh, does it entail yeah so it is a multi-stage race um, it's six uh, six stages over seven days um, the average 
kilometre is about 750 kilometres over that time period, but it varies year to year. Um, it is You have to be self-sufficient of everything but water um, for that period. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, and it's in the Sahara Desert, so there's lots of sand. Uh, oh, yeah, and that, that thing. <laughs> I feel like there's something else I forgot. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty big thing to forget, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, the Sahara Desert. It's only the biggest desert in the world. And um, so well, did the desert live up to everything you thought it would? Yeah, I think it did. It was actually, um, it was pretty magical. Like, I, I, yeah, the terrain was spectacular. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of them, like, the photos were amazing. And I know photos never really give the full mm-hmm. scope of what it's like to be actually in a place. Yeah. But so when the photos take your breath away... It must be, it says something. Um, so yeah, so you, before we get in, right into your actual race, so you did, then, so then I wrote you a program. And so maybe can you tell me a little bit about the training that I got you doing, you know, saying, that, I mean, especially when you said you were unfit and like based, and when I met you, I thought, well, you're probably not as unfit as you say you are, but so what did, like, can you tell me a bit about your training? Yeah, so I think when I... I, mean, I know about it, but... Yeah, <laughs> when you wrote it. <laughs> when... When, we, when I first emailed you, what I was pretty much doing was um, maybe three, five to eight K runs a week at whatever I just wanted to do, um, sort of pace-wise. And um, I, it'd been a long time since I'd done any significant running. Um, in mine, like around the time I was emailing you, I tried to increase that myself just as a feasibility trial to see if I could even make enough gains to make it worthwhile entertaining it. Um, so I kind of went up to about five or six runs a week, but I was still quite small. Um, and then you started me on a program. Um, at this point, I still hadn't registered in the race. That involved, that was a six day a week sort of program. Um, the shorter runs, you're probably going to correct me on this, but the way I remember it, the shorter yeah. runs during the week were kind of um, sort of five to eight Ks to start with. That sounds about right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> no, numbers don't matter. I, I, I've <laughs> yeah. Um, and the big change for me was that all of, a lot of the runs, like it was very it was very zone-based running and I had been really undisciplined up until this point, like in terms of pacing and things. And I didn't own a sports watch. And so I remember buying a Garmin just to figure out what my heart rate was doing at different times and how fast I should be running. And um, so I did that. And then we started adding in long runs. And I think for me, the the significant change from previous running I'd done was that there was almost like sort of two long runs, like a long and a medium run on the weekend. Um, And I can't remember how the long runs started. I think they started only like 15. Yeah, I think I had you at about 15 for the long part and the medium one was only probably not even 12. Something like that, yeah. I think my main focus was just to get you running really consistently and not really focusing on speed, you know, and I think... um, yeah, it's 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 this approach I it works sort of across the board. Yeah. But I think it more for, for what you were doing, mm. more so for what you were doing, I think it was really um, beneficial because you were um, going to be running day after day in the yeah. desert and that ability to back up. Yeah. And so if you can do that in training, then going into the, a big yeah. multi-stage stage race yeah. is less intimidating. Yeah. And so yeah, at what point did you sort of have the confidence to go? You know what? maybe I need to throw down my cash and enter this race? Uh, I think you triggered that, actually. I think... um, Not like some self-belief or some bullshit. (laughs) If only it had occurred that way. I think the way I remember it, I was still... I was getting... um, Did I Anthony Robbins you? Did I go... (laughs) I I remember you sent me a message. Like, I... So I'd been looking at it and I'd pre-registered in terms of 
entered, like done an expression of interest essentially, but I hadn't put any money down because it's a significant financial commitment. Super expensive, yeah. yeah. Super expensive. And I was like, I don't want to just throw my money into the wind. Um, and so I was putting it off, putting it off, and you sent me a text one day after looking at the website and we're yeah. like, oh my God, registrations have closed. Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> it's like the world's most confusing website too. It's the worst. They've got so much money. Like, where yeah. is this money going? That website is terrible. Anyway, um, and I remember, so I got that and I was, um, I was at work. And I was oh, like, you were really upset. Yeah, I know. I was in the middle of my ward round and I was like thinking, oh my God, what, like, oh my God, what have I done? And I was like on the verge of tears and I remember just stopping my ward round and sitting down I'm like sorry guys I've got to I've got to take five and I just sat at the computer and at that moment I just logged on and I could still register and so I just registered and I think that was probably mid-November maybe I yeah. think yeah oh wow so yeah oh it was kind of a good thing though but yeah the cost of the um oh, how's this song so if, just to <laughs> let everyone know we are sitting inside a pub because you know I like to meet in the noisiest places imaginable <laughs> And, uh, but everyone who listens to this is uh, kind of used to that already. And, uh, um, so yeah, like the cost of the race was it? It's over three thousand euros. Yeah. So, uh, so the cost of just registering was three thousand one hundred euro. And it's funny because they justify it as if you die, then you have you have to pay to repatriate your body. Oh. But at the same time, you also have to have travel insurance. And I feel like On your travel in- yeah, yeah, I mean, like your travel insurance would surely pay to repatriate your body. Yeah. Anyway. That's moot. I'm sure, I'm sure when you sign up to, there's probably somewhere saying that you're entering at your own risk, mm. you know? So I kind of felt like, yeah. I felt like that was excessive, but yeah. They're making money. Someone's making mm. money. But, you know, I guess they put on a good race, so yeah. as long as that happens. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and then on top of that, you've got to, like, get all the gear yeah. and all and getting to and from. So, you know, a significant amount of coin that you had to throw a down. A lot of coin. Yeah, yeah. I, like a lot. And I was, I was mindful of that... Um, when I started looking at it and that was like one of the considerations I had like particularly because I was taking um, like I've this year I've taken a six month leave of absence from work and so I was just like well <laughs> you know I've got to be careful somewhere yeah. um, but all in all like it was okay like I went through I went through traveling fit um, so I did all of my transport and there was significant transport requirements like unless you're coming from Britain you end up um, like in addition to your flights, there's getting to Wozenzat, um, which you can fly in directly, but is very expensive. Or and then there's like a six or seven hour bus to the actual start line. And um, logistically, it was much easier going through them. Um, but the gear was a big was a big unknown for me, and that turned out to be really really expensive. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So, can you tell me a little bit about like uh, travelling fit? I don't know too much about them. <clears throat> tell you what I know which is probably also not that much well, I mean you know you had a, you've got a traveling fit t-shirt so I, I do I'm pretty much I'm a member <laughs> they uh, so I think they're like predominantly it's a running based organization that also holds um, like a travel agency card so they can actually go on and they book some of my other flights in terms of my flights home and stuff after my traveling and things um, but the, I know that they do so they do a lot of runs around the world and I I was contemplating in terms they have secured entry into a number of races including like Boston and New York and things like that. Oh, right. Um, so I do, yeah, there's I think significant advantages to them at time, like uh, with that and they had a good like pre-event package for the Marathon de Sable, which again, it's entirely optional but um, so it had for like the three days on your arrival that has all of your accommodation, it has sort of like meals, transfers and 
for that period of time you're staying with the same group that you'll be sharing your tents with um, which for me was a nice kind of team building sort of exercise because it makes or breaks the experience I think. Oh, absolutely um, by the looks of it I mean I followed as I said, we'll get more into the race. I'm gonna, we're sort of jumping back and forward between uh, the race and or, and your um, training. But um, yeah, like uh, some of the photos on social media of the of the bivouac and like what was going on in there and like people. I mean, it looked it looked fun, you yeah. know, which is pretty crazy. I mean, it looked rough but fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like being on school camp, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's good, and I think it'll be good. And one of the things I I often thought about when you were training is like. You were trying to fit your training in around work and other mm. things, but this is purely just all you had to do is run yeah. and focus on that. Yeah. So that, I guess, if you if you're enjoying the running, yeah. it's going to be a great experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was actually, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it overall. Like um, the and the whole bivouac experience was, yeah, it was a good laugh. Like yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. So hang on, we're almost there. So I want to go. Um, your training, because I know, so you're a doctor, yeah. I'll share with the world, so you're a doctor, and so you had spent some time in your training plan um, up in um, Alice. Alice Springs, yeah. in the height of summer. Yeah, which was perfect, yeah. it was so good. So I think, uh, it, was, like, it was a double-edged sword in terms of when I went there, so I, was, I went there for three months over summer, um, so it kind of added in a complexity that I was having to like move states, and um, initially when I got there, the first six weeks I was on a 12 day on two day off roster which made at the same time I was just getting into training it was quite challenging to balance yeah. but um you still were doing it which I was I mean you, you missed very few runs yeah. which I, it's pretty amazing yeah I don't know how that happened I look back and I'm like yeah. I don't know how that happened um but uh in terms of like the actual climate when I had like once that roster got better and it did towards the second half of my three months it um it was just the, the perfect vibe to train in because it was like about a month period where it didn't drop below 40 degrees. Um, and they've got like, I mean, it, it took me a while to find the trails, but like they're around Telegraph Station, they've got like Lara Pinta, they've got great bike paths, they've got this. Yeah. There's Some just, of the best trails in Australia. Yeah, like yeah. It, it's beautiful. And, um, uh, and I think, yeah, so I think I, I was gifted with a very good training ground, like yeah. specific for this race. And yeah, like, I mean, the acclimatization aspect of heat training you know it's perfect and then you come back to Adelaide and Adelaide's in the midst of like one of its hottest summers ever yeah I remember that and I remember coming back and there was like a 47 degree day yeah um and I remember everyone losing their mind and I mean it was hot like it was definitely hot but it was kind of not dissimilar for the way Alice had been yeah. for the last and month like, and I was like oh more yeah the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it just follows me where I go yeah and so you were still training you started doing some big miles and um then I suppose going up, what was the most, would you say, what was the most pivotal training that you did in the lead up getting close to the race? You know, was there any particular thing or do you feel like there's an, an accumulation effect, or a cumulative effect of your training? Uh, I think probably leading up, the main thing for me was about building confidence because I think I came into it feeling very underprepared and I knew that there were experienced runners who'd been training for six months before I even knew what the race was just for this specific race. And so I think I probably was at a big deficit for confidence. So I think um, before, in the lead up to the, um, like probably in the, in, was it the month before? I think I did like a 40 or like a 40-ish, like long run every week. Yeah. Um, and then on the weekend that, the, the Sunday, the Sunday run increased to up to 30 or 35K. Yeah. Um, and I think 
one of those runs I substituted in one of the coastal marathons for. Oh, you did one of the Brave, was it Braveheart? Braveheart marathons, yeah. yeah. And that was so, like, it was just really nice because I'd been doing a lot of solo running and I think running in a community and then I stuck to it at my long run pace and I'd actually, like, had about a 10k, like, periods of soft terrain, including sand. Um, and on sticking to my long run pace, I actually did... Like, I did really well in that. And I was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> look, I can do this. And because yeah. you were running without a, a big, heavy pack as well. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you had to get so accustomed to carrying... Because yeah. I know I was making you train a lot with the pack on. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I think... And also, I think in terms of the pack, the main thing that got my confidence up with that was I just had... Um, so I had a couple of big bags of rice, including, like, the five-kilo bags. And I would just have them yeah. in and then going... To, I just went to Belair National Park because so it, it was so close. And they've got so many loops that you can do whatever you want. Um, and I just pretty much ran around there. Yeah. Bearing, and it's kind of got enough, like... It's got sort of undulating hills. It's got a bit of everything, so... Yeah, that's great. No, and carrying that weight, you know, you don't need to go extreme, extreme, you know. Mm. You're already running in the heat mm. and you're carrying weight. The, you, you, know, you don't want to break yourself by then running up the steepest hills all the time. Yeah. You know, it's not necessary. I mean, to a point. So anyway, so I know one week I put you down. I think I had you do 125 kilometres. Yeah. That was that. Yeah, that was that week. Yeah. yeah. The, I, and I think I call it the half MDS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I looked like a, a dork running around in my Legionnaires hat and everything. So good. I'm so glad you did that. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. It was a good experience that one. Yeah. But um. So coming out that week, you felt more confident? Like you were like, I'm, I am going to yeah. do this? Yeah. And yeah. I think the only thing was because like the, the half MDS week was it, was, it was really good for my confidence, but the shorter runs were like significantly shorter in terms of like, you know, if you do, if you go out for like a 15K day, that's the equivalent of like my short runs towards the end of my training program, which was my, also the short run on the MDS days. Yeah. And so then, but when you go, like when your short day is like 33K, you're like... Like it just—it's like cognitively a very big difference, and so I think um, getting over that mind—that I guess that barrier was—I still had that in my mind, but um, knowing that I could, especially with my pack, um, do that mileage was, yeah, was good. Yeah, that's so good. All right, so um, we'll move on. I want to move forward now. Okay. So you're now you're you're in the desert. So yeah. you uh, tell me, can you take us? I want to go through this the. The experience. So this okay. is the, the podcast is the trail runner's experience. <laughs> You're the trail runner. Let's okay. hear your experience. Okay. So, um, so it was started. So you first go to the desert. Um, so it's like a six-hour bus ride from wasn't that to somewhere maybe Mazuga, like uh, that, I think the closest town. But um, all the bivouacs are set up and you have two nights before self-sufficiency starts. So you actually have a suitcase that you get to take to the desert with you, which was super helpful because um, you take all your extra kit that you're not sure if you want to take or leave. So for me, that included like a puffer jacket, um, like a cotton liner for my sleeping bag and a whole bunch of extra food that I was unsure about, like do I want to chuck in an extra like cliff bar or something like that. Um, so your, your first night is pretty much trialling everything and then the next morning you pack everything up that you don't want to put in your kit and you send it back to whatever hotel you're going to stay back at and then from that point you finalised your kit and everything else left if it's not if you're not taking it with you you have to throw out um, so you have days that day so I think it's like April 6th is the, the next morning and you um, it's like your admin day kit checks um, making sure you've got all your mandatory kit um, and weighing it 
which mine my pack turned weighed in at about ten and a half kilos. Really? Yeah, and wow. that's with water. Sorry, ten and a half kilos with uh, actually it would have been about eleven kilos with water actually. Um, I knew that was going to be a lot, but that's yeah. hard. Yeah, and I, but five and a half to almost six kilos of that was food. Yeah. Um, oh, so you got lighter as the days went on. Yeah, it got so much lighter. It was so good. You're so you're encouraged to have eat everything. Yeah. Um, so and then it kind of got very real after your kit check because you got you've got your race kit on, um, and then self sufficiency starts the following morning. Um, and I think the notable things probably of that two day period was that it was bitterly cold. Um, the, really? Yeah. So the cold that way colder than anyone expected and people that had done the race previously had never felt that cold so it was, I think at night it dropped below two degrees or something um, which meant that I ended up packing my puffer jacket and my cotton liner which added to that weight um, which I almost a kilo um, yeah. then um, and so then during the days again it was very mild when it first started um, like I'm thinking like I don't know the temperature but I'm thinking like high 20s um, so like not like your Alice Springs the no, training no. ground. Yeah. And the thing is, like, so in on and like previously their websites, it's gone up to like 52 degrees yeah. doing previous races. And so I was like, and this is my mind going like, oh my god. And I thought like one of the things I had like on my side going to this race was that I felt that I had climatized really well, and that all these people coming like from Europe were yeah, gonna coming out of their winter. Yeah, they yeah. would be struggling hardcore. So I thought like, um, you know, I mean, I don't enjoy running in really high temperatures, but at the same time, I know that I can do it. Yeah. And I thought that relative to the rest of the pack that I would have performed better. So I kind of felt at a disadvantage actually, because it was so like such good running weather. I was like, damn it. Yeah. Um, but some people would really struggle in high 20s even, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it got, it did get, it got hotter throughout. Yeah. Um, right. Which was good, like, because I slept better at night because it was warmer. But, yeah, so then day one self-sufficiency started and it was, like, the first stage, which was about 30, 33 caves. Um, and I think for all intents and purposes, it was, it was a relatively easy stage. Like, in, like, it was difficult in terms of the train, like, really soft sand and things. But when you compare it to the future stages, um, yeah. there was no big, long legs of dunes, no really, like, high inclines. Oh, so it was quite runnable. Um, oh, well, yeah. I would, I'm trying to think of the percentage that was runnable, like easily runnable. The elites ran the whole thing, would have run the whole thing stage one. Yeah. Um, I don't, like, I did not, I did not run the whole thing. I'm trying to think how much I would have run. It would be, I don't know, maybe 60% for me. Oh, okay. Which, and so, like, my, and my mentality was I will, anything flat and compact, I was trying to be, like, sort of 6 to 6.30 minute caves. Um, With that pack, that's a a big effort. Yeah, yeah, and then I would try and power power walk the uphills and then I'd try and run the downhills. Um, Did did you have your heart rate monitor going at that point? No. That would have been really interesting to see what you would... It was... I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably above zone two. I would say (laughs) it probably was. I think, um, yeah, and in my mind, like, so... During that, that first stage, I had no idea, like I was quite nervous and I thought the worst thing I can do, like I was really scared, terrified of not finishing um, the whole race completely. So I was like, the worst thing I can do is go out too hard. And so I did, I yeah. tried to actually go soft, but I think I get, I get white line fever and I get like, oh, white line fever. <laughs> and I get, it's a race, you've got to win the race. <laughs> so um, I was trying really hard to be disciplined, but that yeah. was, I think that was me being disciplined. Um, so, yeah, so that was stage one, and that went by. Yeah. Okay. Good. No yeah. dramas on the first day? No. And, yeah, um, all right, so first night of sort of recovering in the bivouac, yeah. all good? 
Yeah, it was actually. And the rest of my tentmates, and this is probably like, you know, you start to really get to know your tentmates, like probably after that sort of first stage. And it was really nice because I had no, I didn't even check the rankings or times or anything because it didn't really affect me. Like I had no pretensions yeah. of like doing well. Um, so, and it was like my tentmates actually went and had looked up my time and came back and were like, oh my God, you did really well. Which, yeah. um, wow. and, which is really nice. And so like everyone's just so supportive like that. So it was a really good yeah, it was a really good environment. That's great. I mean, so there, there were like, were there how many hundreds of people? Or was it in the thousands? How many people no. ran? So it was actually a smaller year than previous. So I think I should have looked this up. I think there was somewhere over 800 runners. Oh, it's quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's still quite a few. But um, normally, previously, there'd been over 1,000. So I'm not quite sure why it was yeah. less. But Probably because yeah. it's 3,100 euros to enter. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> they bankrupted their runner pool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... First day, did all right, you're conservative. Yeah. Going into day two, yeah. um, can you do, what was it like? What was the weather like? Uh, so weather started to pick up a little bit. I think it was still like 30s. Um, yeah, so it was, it was actually, yeah, no, it was in the 30s. Started to warm up a little bit. Day two was the hardest, by, har, by far, the hardest day in terms of the course. Like, so day two was what they called June day, which was... Um, 13 kilometres straight. It's, I think it's Erg Chabi or something like dunes. Where so it's um, just sand dunes. Just sand dunes for between checkpoint one and checkpoint two. So thir- yeah, 13k, um, and they're about 100 metre high. Really, really soft sand. Like classic Sahara. Exactly what you imagined. It was exactly yeah. what I imagined. I was like, that, oh my god. The, those were the best photos because yeah. you look like you just you look like you're in the middle of the Sahara Desert because yeah. you are. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Um, and I think that was that was challenging for a few reasons. For me, I don't think that I had laced my shoes correctly. Like I had, I still had a fair amount of strain, like in terms of my, my toes were hitting my the front of my shoe a fair bit. Which, when you can imagine, when all you're doing is up and down, like by I had a, like significant blisters yeah. by the end. And then so that was probably a big challenge. And then the other challenge I had was my pack. Um, I, I actually had vacuum sealed all of my powders into individual servings and I foolishly had put one at the lower back and it was just impacting my back. Um, and so I actually developed a, like an intramuscular hematoma um, oh, really? on my back. Yeah, I'll show you, I can show you a photo. <laughs> I've got yeah. this big bump on my back. I have to share it on the fa- my Facebook page. <laughs> I was gonna say, so it probably started out like a, a massage yeah. and got yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah, and it just became this point of like exquisite tenderness yeah. um, to the point that I ran like I ran between checkpoints, literally carrying my like my hands underneath my pack, oh, supporting push, push it, it, just because I couldn't have it tucked, like even yeah. brush against my back for when it had first started. Um, so, and then the other issue as well is because if you're planning to run, um, at a lot of the checkpoints you're offered three liters of water, which is three kilos of weight that you're going to carry. And yeah. for me, if I'm only if I'm planning to run, then I'm only anticipating I'm needing maybe a liter an hour of fluid, and I'm not planning on being yeah. between checkpoints for more than two hours so um, I would only really take one like 1.6 litres which was my two bottles at the front um, but the problem being between checkpoint one and two you so like it's, you're so slow yeah. so uh, like I ran out of water with about 5k to go and I know that most other people were in a similar situation and I mean like, it wasn't I never feared for my life or anything you know but I, I was quite uncomfortable by the time I got to the next ready for a drink yeah. yeah and there was a guy I did go past a guy that was like he he passed out and was getting medibacked um wow on there but I mean 
because at that point it was peak of day as well. So I think it, what day? That was day a two. Day, yeah. yeah, it was peak. Yeah, peak yeah. day. Um, yeah. Wow. And so I suppose that guy getting the most out of his three thousand one hundred euros, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. getting the helicopter ride. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, that would be disappointing. Mm, and um, so. yeah, I suppose you didn't want to. So you kept being smart. So what did you do about your back? Uh, <clears throat> um, well, I don't think I really. I knew. I just thought I'd had. A, yeah, a small. I didn't realize how much I'd hurt it. I don't think initially. Um, but um, when I got so when I got back to camp, um, like I was unable to lay flat, um, like on my bed. Um, so I pretty much yeah. I just tried to rest it as much as possible. I started strapping my back for the following day. So I got one of my tent mates to strap my back, um, and there was a special forces guy in one of our fellow tents and he was giving me guidance about like how to adjust my different straps so I can have the weight distributed differently um so I pretty much every probably every kilometer changed my pack straps like um in terms of where it was weighted to stop to stop it hitting um that must be so annoying when something like it's just one thing yeah but it could derail your whole race were you worried that that was a factor um I was more worried at that point about my feet just because I didn't know what the coming days were going to bring, and I knew. So after after day two, I had uh, like most people had to go to the med tent just to get um, their feet tended to. Like, and I was really lucky in that all of my blisters were non weight bearing surfaces. They were on my toes, and I had some like I had blood blisters under my toenails and things. So they actually get like a scalpel and they lacerate above the toenail, below the toenail, and then they perforate the toenail and they squeeze all of the. <laughs> it was it was quite dramatic actually, and then they put this um I don't even know what it's called. We, but it's, oh man, it's actually painful. Yeah. It's, it's so very painful. No local anaesthetic? <laughs> no, no local anaesthetic. Uh-huh. But I mean, most of it, like all the cutting is painless, but it's yeah. just this stuff like, man, it burns. But it's very effective and they do they do an amazing job. Yeah, um, I'm sure they've been well trained for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I was really worried because I'm like, I'm day two. I've had two of my nails perforated. I've got like blisters on the rest. I was like, if this, if I continue at this rate, like I, I'm going to be in real trouble. Yeah. Um, but... I felt physically otherwise fine. Like it was just the the pain in the feet and the back. Um, and I think probably day two was the first night that my feet kept me awake as such. And in that, it probably took an extra half an hour to an hour to fall asleep because either just throbbing or because yeah. I had my cotton liner because it was cold. If I turned in bed, yes. it would catch and wake me up. Um, That's always. I mean, like the night after I finish an ultra, I always have that kind of problem. Like yeah. everything, all those little painful bits, like. I never have a good night's sleep the night after an yeah. ultra. And you so, think you will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm tired. Yeah. It's usually the night later or two nights later. So I can't imagine just backing up each day yeah. and having to try and, you know, your body's not getting a chance to heal properly. Yeah. So what did you do going into the third day? Um, so, so, yeah, it was pretty much just strapping. I had um, the med tent gives you extra bandages for your feet. So I had my feet bandaged, back bandaged. Um, then, and I was a little bit, it was a bit longer. The, so the day, um, so days one and two were the same distance, but it took me over an hour longer to complete day two just because of the dunes. It took everyone, I think, that extra time. Um, day three was 37 kilometres, 37.5 or something. Um, and that was actually, for me, I disliked that day as a whole the most and I didn't, I couldn't figure it out, but I think it's because it was the hottest day. And so it got to apparently about 45 degrees that day. Um, and I didn't even feel it at the time. Like yeah. I wasn't, I was like kind of like, 
I'm not enjoying this and I don't really know why. <laughs> like yeah. the train is actually better than it has been for the last two days. I'm running more, but I'm just super flat. It's so exposed as well. Like yeah. you, you just said, even when it's not that hot, just that constant exposure, yeah. it just, just drains you. Yeah. So I can't imagine doing it in the desert. Yeah, and I think I was, yeah, I was so relieved when day three finished, to be honest. I just really disliked it. Um, and it kind of probably wasn't how everyone wanted to feel going in, knowing that it was the long stage on day four. Um, so I think that kind of left me with a bit of nerves about like... That's I feel probably this, another reason why you felt yeah, bad, like, oh knowing God. what was in front of you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, everyone just tried to like just get through um, and... Yeah, we all got an early night, long stage the next day, which was the first time that they actually did a um, they did a split start. So they had the top 50 runners start three hours after everyone else. Oh, wow. um, and that was awesome because it's the only time that we, like all of us mid-packers, get to see the elites. Uh, yeah, as they come flying past. Oh, yeah. I've got a video, actually, of them. They were amazing. Like, so... They started three hours after me and they caught me at about 40. So the top male runners caught me at about 40K. Um, and they are just, they're machines. They like, it was, they caught me at a period where it was relatively soft sand and they were just like you know, pattering across the top, not even breaking that like little layer. It was amazing. Some of them, they're, a lot of them are locals, aren't they? Or more yeah. or less local. There's, yeah. so they're currently during, like in the El Moribadi saga, which is like there's yeah. two El Moribadi brothers. And um, so. They've been winning heaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Rashid just run, won his seventh, I think, in a row. His seventh? In a row, yeah. Oh and then like, before that, there was. You never hear them in like, imagine if they went to like Western States or somewhere, like. How would they go? Or is well, it... they've done, so they actually did, so there's a doco about that, and they took, they, I, I think they, I don't know if it was, I don't know who, they took one of the winners of the Marathon de Saabs, and they made them do the bad water, and they took yeah. the winner of the bad water and made them do Marathon de Saabs. I, I, this story would be so much better if I remember the outcome of this documentary. <laughs> it's enough to make me uh, go searching, and maybe everyone else will. But, um, no, that's heaps good. And so... They went past you. Did they say anything, or they're just too focused? Um, they would do. They'd acknowledge, like, because everyone was cheering and stuff. So they'd yeah. kind of wave and acknowledge and stuff, which was really nice. Um, it's pro probably good for them too. It's the only chance they get to run near yeah. people because they're probably alone for so much. Yeah. of Yeah, and I think even when they're at the front, I think they have quite independent lines. They run different lines to a lot of people anyway. So really, apparently, well, I don't. I wouldn't wow. know. This That's, is what I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> so they um, navigate them because they do their own navigation sort of. Thing. Yeah, I mean, like everyone has to have their own compass and things yeah. and. The dunes, so like the dunes aren't marked at all. Um, you just have your beginning and ending in a bearing. Um, and so you kind of just hope you end up. So that's where I had, so I had two friends get lost during this race in different, both of them were in the dunes. Um, and they just came out at the wrong spot and were like, oh, now I'm in a village. I'm not meant to be in a village, <laughs> like, oh yeah. God. <laughs> well, like that guy off that Netflix doco, he yeah. ended up in another country. Algeria. Algeria. And drinking did you did you have to drink bat's blood at any no, stage but you'll be pleased to know that i did get my rabies vaccines in case i had to be reliant on bats and one of them bit me or something really <laughs> just in case you're so responsible you're so responsible <laughs> um that's a fair thing to be responsible for no one wants rabies now, now um and so tell us about the long stage so how far is the long stage so this long stage during this year was actually the shortest long stage it's been in ages. Um, so typically it's between anywhere between sort of 75 and 90, I think. Um, it was 76.7, but the last few years it's been consistently upper 80s. Um, Why was it shorter this year, do you know? Well, they said, so 
um, they said that it's because the like the difficulty of the course was such that they thought it warranted it. So the overall course duration was only 225-ish kilometres this year. Oh, um, a long way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was never... Like, I've never run... I've never run more than... 50 kilometres was the absolute maximum I've ever run. And even then, it was like question you know we're a bit soft on the distance so I was very nervous about that overall duration um and I chatted to like some of my tent mates were very experienced like well some of them were very experienced and very good runners and and they made like they were within top 30 um and so we all kind of chatted about strategy um for and I was in out of this sort of the tents I somehow managed to be like the the girl in the in the elite men's tent and I don't know how that happened but um it was good but there was four, That's so amazing, yeah, yeah so it was really, <laughs> yeah. it was really great. Um, but there was, so I ended up agreeing with three of the other guys, and we all had similar sort of pacing to run sort of the first thirty-six to forty k together, um, just to kind of break up the day. Um, and then after discussing, like, and getting some advice, because I, I just had no idea how to approach it, um, I thought, like, I, I knew that I wanted to make a push because there was a couple of girls who were within oh, a couple yeah. of minutes of me. So tell me, the, what position were you in overall at this stage? Um, you had already so surprised yourself, hadn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, well, as you know, like, my goals were, like, firstly, not to die, secondly, yeah. to finish, and then finally... And like, preferably you, without drinking bat's blood. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I know, yeah, preferably without that slide. So, um, I, yeah, I, I thought I was going to just be like at the bottom few. And so then the first day, I was like, um, I was in the top, I was in the top thirty, maybe top twenty-five women. And then, um, and I was about sitting around two hundred fiftieth overall, I think. And then wow. by the second day, I was like, it was like one hundred eighty-eighth overall, one hundred eighty-second. And then I dropped into the teens on the the women's. Amazing. Um, yeah. Which I was very surprised by. <laughs> every day I check back, I'm like, this can't be right. <laughs> what? And because yet again, it's a really hard thing to sort of understand looking yeah. at the website. Yeah. But yeah, just your numbers kept coming down. Like you kept yeah. getting like top 20. Yeah. Yeah. And even when I, particularly on the third day where I hated it, I was like, I must have blown out really badly here. But Everyone it just, blew yeah. Out. And that's, I think it was because it was 41 degrees and yeah. I just didn't realise. So, um, yeah. So, then I knew by that point um, that, like, particularly the elite guys in my tent had identified that there were some girls within my grasp, and um, I, yeah, I knew I wanted to make a push. And so I was thinking my plan was to run, run with a pack until around 40-ish k's, make a push from 50 if I was feeling good, um, and just hope to hold on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. That, and it, it pretty much went to plan. Like I, um, we, we headed into some dunes, and about the 36k mark, um, I, I'd like I'd had a, a low patch, probably around the 30k mark, um, just through dunes, I think. When you say low, like emotionally, physically. I think physically, like I think I just felt I didn't feel as fresh as I wanted to. Like um, mm. my back was annoying me. My feet were, hadn't like normally they'd go numb after about 10k, and they just like they every downhill patch after a small dune was just like a, like hitting my feet. And yeah. I think it just kind of got to me at that point, and I knew mentally that I had like I wasn't halfway yet, yeah. and I was like just just knowing that I was so limited like portion into it, um, I found quite daunting. Yeah. Um, so then, um, yeah, so I went quite slow in that period and then I, then I just kind of 
um, had a bit of nutrition, I refreshed and probably around the 36k mark I felt like good to go, ready. Um, and you've broken that half, almost at the halfway point. Yeah, almost point. at the halfway point. And yeah. so then um, I spoke to the guys I was running with and I was just like, I'm like, you guys happy if I just push from now? Yes, um, so you away. <laughs> so then I pushed it a little bit. So actually, oh no, I was actually, no, sorry, I was still with them at the 40k mark when the, anyway, around and that And they're point. really experienced and, well, and you're the rookie. The guys that I ran, they were more experienced than me, but they were like and they were fast but they weren't like they weren't elite elite like with the like there was a few guys in my tent that were elite elite um but they they were very like they're all very good like good runners and stuff um and then yes then I started making a a push from about probably around 40 42k and mentally that was a good checkpoint like so I'm like hit a marathon tick yes um yeah and then um yeah, so I felt good, and so then the elite, the rest of the elites, including some, one of my friends, and some of my friends met me at about 50k, um, and I was really excited because there's two Australians in that group to, to see them, and also Gemma Game, who's one of the top female runners. She was, she, was, she came third overall. She's amazing, and it was just so wow. yeah, it was amazing. Like oh man, it was amazing to see them. <laughs> um, and my one of my friends who was in that group was struggling a little bit um, nutritionally and stuff. So and I had extra because I was going faster than I had anticipated. So we sort of shared a bit of nutrition and it was good for me because then I like I paced him to 71 which was good because I felt pulled you back a bit no not at that no no that was good because I felt like for me it was a confidence boost and I was just like oh my god he's this like awesome runner and he's running with me like you know yeah he Um, needs you (laughs) yeah so it was really good and he like he's like he's a really good friend like I yeah he's great um and it was all everything was good until probably the 71k mark where um he became quite unwell um very like sort of confused nutritionally deplete dehydrated like and we we got sort of the medics involved and i felt torn at that point as a as a medical doctor um because he was like i feel like i'm being very vague but he was very unwell like in terms of confusion and things as well and i wouldn't have probably encouraged him to to continue from a medical perspective but the medics had seen him didn't pull him and he kind of kept going and so i went with him and we just went a bit slower for the last sort of five five k's or so but he rallied at the end and yeah, got wow. in yeah and um so how much of that last how much of that stage did you run in the dark luckily not too much probably the last probably the last 10k maybe a bit more than 10k okay i uh, was in the dark so we got oh it must have been long next i think i got back around maybe 9 or 10 p.m um yeah and so what time is the sun setting uh, like six or seven. So it must have been okay. In my mind, it wasn't very long. <laughs> it was so yeah. Actually, you had these visions yeah. of running all night, didn't like running did. deep late into the oh night. My God. Yeah. yeah. So I was the long stage was I was really scared about because mm. I um, like I went there not knowing anyone, not being an experienced runner, not being entirely confident on how to use my compass, um, and I imagined myself running really long distances solo, getting lost and eating bats and ending up in Algeria uh, <laughs> or dying. And I was like, oh my God. you were prepared for all of those outcomes. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, and luckily, none of them came true. Like most. Pretty much the entire race, like the entire long stage, I could see someone in front of me. Like there was a few stages, bits where I couldn't, but um, if I knew that if I stopped, someone was going to come across me in the next 10 minutes. And so I, I always felt there was safety. Um, and there was during the long stage, there was actually a sandstorm. But even in the midst of the sandstorm, I mean, visibility was 
significantly reduced, but I again didn't feel unsafe and I felt that I could continue safely. Um, so safety-wise, I felt so much better and the long stage was so much less intimidating than I thought. Um, and yeah, I felt pretty like, I remember when I met the people at 50Ks, like I felt I had a fair bit of gas left and I was like pretty, pretty good. That's so amazing. Like. You obviously were really well conditioned, thanks to your amazing coach. Oh, but also, I think a huge factor was your nutrition and the amount of effort that you put into your nutrition. Well, and probably, I was just going to say, we need to throw out throw out some kudos to Erin Colbatch, yep. who now has a her little business. Oh, it's not, it's, it won't be little for long, but um, Ultra Appetite. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So tell us about how Erin prepared your nutrition. How Erin saved me from myself and my ignorance regarding nutrition. Um, I think he's from what everything she's told me. He's worked very well together. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, no, she taught me everything because I knew I knew nothing. And I think, um, like my background had been as well. Like I would do. Like the only reason I would run, other than you know it felt good and stuff, would also be I would use it as a means of exercise to burn calories and stay trim, like whilst I was working and things. And so I'd always come at it as don't eat or use nutrition while you're running because that's counterproductive, you know? Yeah. And so um, very early on, she was like, this is not going to work. No. <laughs> um, and so we had a good education session about kind of um, like performance-based nutrition. And from then on, it was a very, like a very much trial and error for me. And like it was all new. So it was all very, yeah, it was very interesting. And I, we ended up coming, I think I initially, my initial, um, impulse was to try and go really like high tech and I wanted to use like fancy things that were going to be like fully nutritionally like replete um, and in the end we've just paired it right back to things that I knew that I could tolerate when I was tired and, and not feeling great um, and that no matter like so for me that was uh, that was Powerade Mountain Blast because how good is Powerade? I have to say, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Maybe they can sponsor me. Yeah, <laughs> sponsor you. Yeah, I <laughs> um, which I think, like it's for so me, and yeah, yeah. And it's so tasty and it's so yeah. like, even though it's sweet, like I don't really like sweet things, which is the yeah. challenge. But um, for me, they, it, it wasn't ideal primarily because it had a relatively low sodium content, and I wanted, in my mind, I wanted something with a higher sodium content. Um, but like, it had good, good sort of calories, and no matter how exhausted I am, I can drink it. So I was like, whatever. Um, so we just took that and then also I was trying all these like ready-made meals and so the break like and the dinner is perfect awesome um, the breakfast I cannot tolerate it turns out so I'm so glad I tried them and I ended up just going for my standard breakfast which was like birch and muesli and I just rehydrated it um, it's pretty, sounds yummy though oh it was awesome yeah it, and people it was funny because the guys that ended up going super light um, and they they had a lot of these ready-made meals to get their calories in and they had limited race fuel um, a lot of them couldn't drink couldn't eat their breakfast yeah. and then from then on you're stuffed because you've got no race fuel you calorie deplete before you even start and, and it's funny like I say this all the time it doesn't matter how good your engine is yeah. and you've got the best car in the world if you don't put fuel into it yeah. it it's what's the good of it it's not going to yeah. go anywhere you're going to run out of petrol yeah. and I think there's a lot of people have this idea that oh yeah but you just it's you know eating's for eating's cheating you yeah. know like you know I think you yeah it, it really helps having like a sports dietitian do, I've, I've learned a lot with working with Aaron yeah. and I mean I started taking my own nutrition seriously a couple of years ago but 
then that was without any real guidance from a professional. Yeah. That was just my own. And then when I started really taking it seriously, working with, with Aaron, it was just like, oh, I feel heaps better now. I get back yeah. from runs, in my training runs, and know exactly what to do, and I don't feel hungry all day. I mean, yeah. even though you still have to eat, you know, just recovering, yeah. and then you can, because then you can do more. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think because one of the things that worked really well was it was just a very s simple regime that we had, for, like, particularly for my race fuel, and that I had, I was getting like 20 grams of carbs per hour from my electrolyte drink, and then I just needed to get 20 grams of carbs per hour from a different source, and it was kind of like, it didn't matter what that source was, and so I got to vary that throughout the stages. Um, so you were essentially aiming for, what, 40 to 45? 40, yeah. Oh, okay, it's pretty low. I guess yeah. low intensity. Yeah, and this, this may, so... What I will say is that um, initially the, the plan that we devised was had was more calorie and carb dense than what I ended up taking, and that was just based on weight. So in the end, um, I like had to compromise on. I, I mean, I met my overall so carb and protein. So you were still a bit depleted. Oh yeah, yeah, so I lost about four kilos during the race, I think. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't like. It's hard to say how much of that would be. I think I'm hoping most of it was fat, but I think and. Probably, like, it probably took me a while to rehydrate completely, probably. Um, but it was, um, yeah, I think of everyone that I went with or that I saw, I had the, I was most satisfied, satisfied with my nutritional program, like what yeah. I did. Yeah. And I mean, Erin even told me, she said that you were very organised. And I think, you know, you had spreadsheets and stuff yeah, I about. I can show you my spreadsheets. Oh, I, I want to see them. So good. <laughs> and, and, you know, go, this goes back to something my dad used to always say. And it's a cliche, but it, it really rings true with every aspect of how you trained. That no one, no one plans to fail. Yeah. They fail to plan. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. and so if you, I mean, at least if you get the plan wrong, mm. it's more right than not planning at all. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so. And I felt, yeah, and I, um, like, literally days one to three, I had exactly the right amount of like race fuel that I not like a skerrick to spare, and I didn't feel that I'd carried any extra weight unnecessarily because that's the that was my fear. I was just like, yeah. I don't want to take or so because initially from my final race plan, I dropped about two kilos of food, um, and then I wrote to Erin. I was like, Erin, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm taking, and she was like, Don't drop it anymore. Um, yeah. And yeah, in the end, like it worked out. It like it worked out perfect. And I was averaging. So there were some guys who were like 80 kilos. And I'm 60 kilos, and they were taking 2,000 calories a day, which is a bare minimum. And I took 2,800 calories on average yeah. per day, and I had 4,300 on the long stage. Um, so that was um, like, and I think, I mean, I think they felt it. Like, I don't know. I assume they felt it. I, well, they, they would have probably lost more weight yeah. than you in the long run. Yeah. And your overall recovery would have been a lot better. Mm. And day to day, your recovery would have been better. Yeah. So, I felt good. I, and I think. You're not going to run your best race if you don't eat properly, yeah. you know? Yeah. When you're getting into these sorts of crazy distances and stuff, yeah. you know, like, yes, they might run well mm. that way, but is it the best race that they could run, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So I was just going to ask you, we'll get... So we're coming up... Um, so after the long stage, you get a day off, don't you? Yeah, you get a rest day, yeah. thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do on your rest day? Sleep and eat? Yeah, pretty much. And yeah. I think, um, and like med tent for your feet. Um, also, because like the big highlight, 
pretty much of every day, which I failed to mention, was that you get they come around with all the emails that you've been emailed and they give them to you, and it just feels so good. Oh, yeah, because um, you're completely out of contact with yeah. the real world, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and which is great. Like, I loved being yeah. out of contact, but at the same time, like, to get these, like, morale-boosting emails was so nice. Just to make people thinking of you. And yeah. I had, like, a random Australian who's, like, never met me. Oh. Just like, go Aussie, go Aussie. And I was just like, what the? Yeah. yeah it was amazing. Because when you scroll down the, the list, there's the flags of all uh, the nations. Yeah. And like, and so they would have gone, oh, Australian. Yeah. There weren't heaps of Australians in it. But no, and then, um, so yeah, after, so after that, you went into, what's after the long stage? How many, there's only two stages after that? Or no, three? it's only the, mar- so this is the marathon. In terms of the, yeah, so there's the, the marathon race. stage. Yeah. And then after that, there's the solidarity stage, which isn't part of your time. It's just yeah. a... Oh, so what, getting to the end of that long stage must have felt so good. Yeah. Well, that yeah. for me was the main, that was the, the pivotal moment. Like, that's yeah. the, the only part of this point that I hadn't ever done before. And I wasn't sure. Like, I, ha- I have good self-efficacy and then I feel like I can do what I set my mind to. But at the same time, it was the only, uh, the only thing that was actually the biggest unknown to me. And I was also terrified about it. <laughs> so yeah. having it done was, um, was awesome. Um, one of the things that I was concerned about, I guess, was so. At, I, so I might have matched my nutrition well, my hydration I probably didn't manage quite as well because I, um, not at one point, even so, in my long stage I ran for 13 and a half hours, and at no point during my long stage or at the other stages did I wee at all. You're a bad doctor. I know. And I was sitting there and I was just like, oh my God, I, what are my kidneys doing? What's happening? And then... Um, I'm into renal phase. What I know. Exactly. And so then I would like look at my hands and I'll show you a photo, but like my fingers looked like balloons. Like they were just like so swollen. And I was like, that's where all my water is. It's in my hands. Like, And I was like, what's going on with my sodium? I was like, is it too high? Is it too low? Like I was... Anyway. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know what... Uh, yeah. It was not great. Um, and I probably... Like I, I should have done it. So I just had a rule, like when I got to the finish line, I just had to drink a liter of water yeah. uh, with some salt tablets, and then and um, eat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and eat. And I had my recovery drink, which had 200 mils of water, and then so I just and then I'd do like I'd wee, and then I would probably I drink. I just continue sipping, sipping, sipping consciously yeah. until I did a second wee, and then I was like, okay, you're good now. I'm free. And then <laughs> you're getting up all through the night having a wee. Well, yeah. I just made sure, so I had my last bit of fluid an hour before I went to bed, and it was fine. You're so organised. <laughs> no, I I hate it. And also another thing, after an ultra and you're exhausted, but you've had to rehydrate, and then you wake up. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I have to do a wee, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like an old man yeah, trying to get to the, yeah. the bathroom. Well, the other consideration is like, because at night here, like, so it's bitterly cold. You're in your sleeping bag. You've got everything wrapped up. Oh, you you've out. got no shoes other than your running shoes, and then like I made some slippers out of like ins- old insoles and string, <laughs> which aren't very robust. And if you step outside your tent, it's like like um pricks like uh prickles everywhere ah, and so it's so like you need if, shoes on. You yeah so you need shoes yeah and so then but you've just had your mm. feet all had this like iodine substance everywhere and you're yeah. trying to dry them out overnight so you can take them for tomorrow and so you just the thought of putting your running shoes on is just like terrible so um yeah it was like high stakes to go to the toilet at night um and you need um what do they call it that they have in hospital um the, uh, those slippers no <laughs> A bed, like a bedpan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I would have been tempted. But the thing is, like, because out the... Cause, yeah, because the other thing as well is the tent is always in varying states. Not always, but often in varying states of collapse as well. And so <laughs> you're just like, I don't know. It was just shambles. So I want to get to... One of the things... I want to get to your... Um, 
because I know you didn't shower for that whole period. I want yeah. to get to that because oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm very okay. interested in your showering and that sounds really sleazy. No, 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 but, no, 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 no,
um, like if you're going to make a push push early and try and get to that single track on the front of the pack. Uh, um, so you're not held up in a queue. Exactly. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I did, like I, I unleashed a little bit, like in terms of like, um, by that point of the race, I was probably closer to the 6.37 minute per kilometres on the, oh, probably the 6.30 minute kilometres on the flat, compact ground. That's good though, at that stage in the race. Well, but it, I mean, yeah. that doesn't comprise much of the race. Yeah, so. I think still, you've got the ability to get back on that pace. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty good. Um, and so then, um, and so I, I think I probably, I never, I think if I was actually going to go for it, I would have, I should have dropped down into the five minute per kilometers to get to this front. Because it was only six, it was 6.7 yeah. kilometers in the start of this ascent. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't, and I got stuck mid-pack, and it probably took me about 45 minutes to an hour to actually get to the top oh. oh maybe that's exaggerating it felt like 45 minutes yeah, but then going. the least favorite of the entire race for me was the, that descent which was actually a very technical stony descent um and i've got like i've got an old pcl injury and like that's just my worst nightmare so i hated that bit um so i think that actual ascent and descent was the i lost a lot of ground there yeah. but then um there was another I think it was a 15% incline, like another hill that day, um, which is, that was, that was good. And um, I think I actually, like normally on the ascents, I can make, um, I can actually make up rankings. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was good. And then I remember in the last, so I hit the 21K, got teary, and then towards the end, the last five came up, so it was actually, um, because I was one of the first, like first pack of the of the wave because I was in the, the first wave of yeah. runners um, I had this beautifully unbroken like casing on the sand and oh, so great. yeah so the last 5k's that would have been soft and trudgy for, for everyone behind us was like actually quite nice to run on and so yeah I unleashed a little bit on the last 5k's which was really satisfying and yeah. then I remember there was like there was just so many people cheering at the end that I just like sobbed I just was just <laughs> sobbing this um, I don't cry. I know. <laughs> I was just overcome by emotion. Overcome. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was amazing. And then, and so what place do you finish? Yeah. And like, what position? So I think, uh, so I was 199th overall and uh, 16th female. That is amazing. Who would have, that, you got to. We would never would have thought that. <laughs> uh, that wasn't in the plan. No. It was just run your best race and you <laughs> smashed it. That is such a good result. I mean, to finish top 20 and yeah. like and you said uh, you were like there was someone who only a few minutes in front of you mm. you could have got yeah well, this, but the thing is so like the two the two girls in front of me like they like they're remarkable so i remember um like lawrence klein who's won the mds on three times like i beat him at two of the stages and i was like you're like my hero like how is this happening it's That's, amazing you, and yeah. then and then there was um i think her name's chantelle lafar she won like she just won that 360k like swedish ultra thing and she was like the position in front of me and it was just like I don't know I was just like I was just in awe of all of these amazing people and it was just um yeah it was it does was, it occur to you that maybe you you could put yourself in that and I'm, I mean like being very realistic here do you feel like you could be in those realms I mean you're still young and mm. you yeah I mean I know you've got a lot of other things mm. that you want to do you're a, you're a doer and but like <laughs> You've clearly, you know, it wasn't a fluke that you finished so high. Well, I feel like it could have been a fluke. <laughs> People fluke a fast 5K sometimes, yeah. but they don't fluke doing really well in a massive ultra marathon over days and days through the Sahara Desert. I do, I guess I wonder, I think, um, I wonder how that would translate to other races, and I think that probably goes back to the bad water and that, for me... 
the marathon de Saab was I don't think it necessarily rewarded really great runners all that well because it was so much that wasn't easily runnable and it was more for me an exercise and pain management. Yeah. Um, I think it, it rewarded the smart runner. Okay. I, I think you're definitely the smart runner because of you know, I mean, nutrition and everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I think um, I'm, it, make, it gives me, I guess, like makes me feel buoyant and makes me think like feel have more confidence if I was to try something like this again but I don't know that like I'd uh, I'd be tentative to think that I would do like as well in, a, in another race yeah. I guess I think you should be very confident okay. that you could probably I don't know it's incredibly taxing mentally and you're probably ready for a bit of a break in a sense well, but, I feel kind of like I don't know I really the, the further I get away like already I'm like I can see why people go back like yeah um yeah. Because now you're back in the real world a little exactly. bit. Yeah. yeah. And it's getting cold. And... It's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's um, so amazing. Um, I was just going to say, so on social media, mm. I've, there was a um, some great photos of the dog, Cactus <laughs> the dog. So became a bit of a celebrity. Did, so can you tell us about Cactus? Um, I can tell you a little bit. I don't. What you know? Yeah. So I think he joined maybe the second stage. He ended up running about, I think about 190 kilometres of the race. He's a little dog, eh? I know he is. He yeah. is. And he was very, um, like, he was very affable. Like I think um, he was. Like, he wasn't like particularly like for someone who just followed a pack of people. Like he didn't seem particularly like people driven. Like he was just very happy doing his own thing. And like, cause everyone, like, you know, you're stuck in a desert with not much to do. Like got a dog there you're going to be patting the hell out of that dog yeah like um, a therapy dog for everybody it was really yeah. good so he was He's very, so cute the photos on social media yeah. were amazing yeah. i think i wanted in my mind like i love dogs and i was just like oh he can come and like we can like spoon like next to the, in the sleeping yeah. bag i think everyone wanted to spoon him <laughs> i know, I know. Uh-huh. maybe he was overwhelmed but he was he was not as affectionate towards me as i was to him uh, so you got <laughs> um, a pat yes got a pat got yeah. a pat um, and um they gave him a because his real name it was like Diggity or something. Oh, was it? I don't know that. Yeah. yeah. I saw that on Facebook. And I, so I was in Hot Diggity Dog. So <laughs> I, that's a good one. But like, he, um, yeah, really cute. And I remember they even gave him a, a finishes a medal. medal. Yeah, well, they put a tracking beacon on him so everyone could track him on the, um, oh, on wow. the race as well. Like on the, yeah, tracking. Yeah. Did, um, did you get a, you got your medal, of course. Is I it did. a sweet medal? Yeah, it is actually. Like, yeah. uh, well, I mean, because I, mean, I think like I've never... Um, I don't know, I think it's because, like, you know when you do lots of sports, is, like, when you're younger, you get so many, like, medals and trophies and stuff. Like, I've never really thought about medals before is something that I'm like, oh. yeah. um, but I like, it's a nice marker of me having set this thing that I really didn't know if I could do and actually accomplishing it. So yeah. it's nice, yeah. This is a good symbol of your yeah. hard work. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, that's how I see them. I, I, yeah. I don't care what people say about bling, race bling. I appreciate race bling. Because yeah, yeah. just getting to the start line, Especially in a bigger race, you know, just getting there and then getting it done. Yeah. You know, um, I'll always, you know, be proud of my race medals. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and so the biggest thing I'm worried I want to hear about, and I know a lot of people are fascinated, and it's, it's right, it's, you're, um, you would have ridden a filthy animal by the end of the oh, seven yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I was. Um, <laughs> what did you do? Because this is, I think this is interesting. Did you follow your plan? To my hygiene plan. To keep yourself, you, yeah, just did that well organised, you had a hygiene plan. <laughs> yes. I mean, so what did you have with you? Um, so, yeah, I did follow my hygiene plan. Um, so I love it. <laughs> my, yeah, I'm trying to think how to structure have? this. I had, um, 
I guess my considerations were, so I've got quite long hair, and I mean, it sounds like it sounds, you know, girly and stuff, but like logistically, I would have a, a mat of hair that would be pulling every time I like had impact if I didn't brush it. And so I was like, I actually do need it. For me, I needed a brush. Um, and so I found this one that was like just fit on this. It was like the length of my index finger and it was made, I think it weighed two grams. Um, and so I just, I took that and it was like imperfect, but it meant that I didn't have dreadlocks. Um, I then, in terms of like my overall hygiene, I had, I had tested um, how much it took me at minimum for like my wipes. So I could get away with like with three wipes. Um, Your entire body. Yes, but that was like you have to be very strategic about which bits you wipe with each wipe. <laughs> so, which well, is um, pretty standard procedure. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's yeah. fair point. So, um, and so I packed myself three wipes when I walk in, and that's for your that's the predominant thing. And then I'd have an extra wipe for just because. I feel like you'd want to, like, do you just want to feel just, fresh? Just like, luxury. Yeah, just for luxury. <laughs> and, like, just have a redundancy. Yeah. And then I had one wipe in the morning just to wipe my face and just yeah. to feel fresh a bit. So I had five, essentially five wipes per day, um, which was actually, like, it was, and that was fine. And then I um, I actually didn't even need, I think, this had some gross, but I, I think I didn't use my fourth wipe on some days because I had some spare. And there was yeah. a guy that didn't bring any, and I was just like, you poor thing, have a wipe. For you, our sake, have a wipe. Yeah, you, you, you're filthy, <laughs> you're filthy, you smell bad. Um, yeah. And, yes, yeah, so that was my wipe scenario. But then the thing is, like, because you also have to take your own toilet paper. Um, and I started running, like, and so I ended up drying. So after you finish wiping, dry them out, and then, like, you reuse them for toilet paper. Um, <laughs> Which is too much information. No, and, I, I love it. I love it. But um, this is the, the unglamorous side of this yeah. sport that people don't hear about. Yeah. You know, you hear about all the emotion and the. Yeah. You know. I can't go into more detail. And, like, the toilet situation was very interesting, but yes. um, <laughs> I'll, I'll spare you from that. But there was um, a. Um, the other thing I did was so every night I washed my underwear and my running top. Yeah. Um, so I had um, Fresh start. Yeah. yeah so I had um, soap leaves which are like those little tiny they only work out to be like a I don't know, like two 50 cent coins next to each other type yeah. length and they work um, yeah I found I had to use maybe five five or so to make a good lather but um, and I couldn't really rinse it off because I mean this is your drinking water that you're using yeah um, so you yeah. had to be very frugal yeah so I used maybe 250 mils uh, so with the soap leaves, it took about five soap leaves to make a lather and you have to use about 250 mils of water, which is your drinking water, for which you have to use potentially until the first checkpoint of the next day. So you have to be very careful about how much you use. So whatever soap I put on, I didn't actually end up washing off. Um, so yeah, so it's a bit of a compromise, but I pretty much, I maybe just to make myself feel better, I don't know if smell-wise it helped, but... Um, washed them all, hung them out to dry, and um, that felt good. And then on the rest day, I washed. I tried to wash my whole kit because you get a bit of extra water. Oh, that's amazing. And so did you I – mean, that sounds sort of frustrating, but I'm sure you adapted. Tell me about your the, the first shower when you got back oh. to civilization. Oh, it was such a letdown. It was so sad. Oh, what? I, uh, I know, I know, because I – because I was traveling elsewhere, um, I had like two suitcases. I had a 30 kilo suitcase and then I had like a small suitcase. Um, the 30 kilo suitcase I had left at a different hotel to which I was stationed at after the race because you're not told about what race 
the MDS, like, sorry, what hotel the MDS is actually going to put you in afterwards. Um, so it meant that when I got back to the hotel, all I had was the um, small, <laughs> was the small suitcase I had in the desert, which didn't have like any shampoo, um, body lotion, or like, and I only had pre like desert worn clothes. Um, so when I got there, like, I just pretty much, I used. I think they had like a soap thing, and I just used that to wash my hair and quickly got into my desert clothes and then went back to the hotel to like uh, get the rest of my so I had to have two showers I had two yeah. showers that night but I mean it was amazing still felt good then. yeah 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 I think like in my hair like I actually I actually videoed me taking my hair out of the ponytail and it just like just all moves as one like it was like just like one giant dreadlock <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. even with my and that's despite me brushing it it was just wow. yeah it was well, I'm going to shave my head if I ever do it and just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. go over yeah <laughs> um, yeah it felt yeah it felt very nice actually yeah. um the yeah. last of the desert washed yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. And it was, yeah, it was kind of funny because like in the desert as well, like you will chat to anyone and everyone like when you're there, like, and it's kind of like you're all in these like dirty, like worn in running clothes and it's almost like a uniform. And so everyone feels like you've had this shared experience. Like if you're talking, like if I'm talking to some guy, like it's not like you're at a pub and you're like trying to chat up. Something. Do you know what I mean? Like you can chat to anyone and there's no agenda. Them, there's no yeah. agenda. It's literally just like, yeah. how was your run today? How are you feeling? Like, you know, and it was amazing. It was so like Such a good point. And then what, but then when you got back, did you forget that experience? Yeah, it was so funny because then the moment it was like, it was almost like uh, you're back and you're like, you, everyone took their uniforms off and put on your like your civvies again and all of a sudden like those same social barriers came up and you felt uncomfortable approaching like so we were in a we were in a hotel that was um like there were some americans there some canadians and i think some south africans and um and and brits obviously but um you'd pretty much stick to your race group as like once you were back at the hotel because you kind of felt like you were crossing the line by like going up and approaching these people and they'd be wondering why you're you know what I mean like it just those normal social barriers were there yeah and you probably suddenly realize oh look at how they're dressing yeah and you start making judgments about yeah, people about how yeah. they dress you yeah. start thinking about your differences and stuff whereas really in the desert like you can be like as different as you want and it doesn't matter like everyone's yeah. just like doctor truck yeah. driver um yeah, yeah exactly and it was so um yeah it was really like it was actually it made me a bit sad to go back to civilization yeah well i can totally relate yeah um but after especially after a week of it yeah. where that's just so focused yeah and like you yeah. think and i think through everyone having this uniform you meet so many people like i met um like there was this young lad who was like he was i think he was like 22 or 23 and he was from liverpool and the whole time we kind of ran at a similar pace for a bit and he just kept telling joke after joke after joke and I, in my mind I was just like oh he's just some like 23 year old lad like he's just doing this for a laugh or whatever and then like throughout the course of this day like I've gotten to know him and he was actually when he was 16 or 17 he was in like the the Olympic trial team cycling team for the UK wow. and um, he was then I think he was hit off of his bike or something and he actually had a traumatic brain injury and was hemiplegic um, and he had rehabbed to the point that he was now able to like run and walk independently like for a period he was um, yeah he was hemiplegic he was unable to talk he was unable to eat um, and he's just had this amazing rehabilitation and he's fully independent and he wants to join the army and they put up like he has to be a certain number of years post his rehab and demonstrate that he's fully capable and so MDS was part of his like 
guys, you're lucky to have me. I'm amazing. You know, yeah. like I'm, and like he is amazing. Like, and I was like, and he like, he, yeah. So I, you just never would have known. And I just like every person you meet and you actually talk to. Incredible story. Yeah. And like one of the guys in my tent, like he's, um, like he's rich. Uh, he's now an Australian citizen. He, um, he, like he's a carpenter. He spent nine years training and he summited Everest. He then swam the English Channel and now he's doing the Marathon de Saab. And he's like. Does that put in perspective what you did? Yeah, but it's just like, I just think like you just, you meet these incredible people and you're just like in awe of everyone. Like yeah. that, um, yeah, and it's just, I just, it was one of the probably like the best things that I took from this race was just the experience of that. And like, you know, I'm standing, you know, I'm standing the loo line and then all of a sudden I've got like a top five runner next to me and they're just like having a chat to me about their kids and what they're doing after the race and I'm just standing there fangirling like a yeah. loser, you know? Um, yeah, and then it was one day, it was like so embarrassing. You might want to edit this out. <laughs> I was like walking, I was walking to the Lou's and Rashid um, Elmer Abadi like was like, yeah, the yeah. winner. So like there's this, there's this bush that's like 100 metres in the distance. It's the only place if you're a woman and you want to like you want to do a wee that you could yeah. wee without everyone seeing your bum. Um, and so I was like, that bush is mine. And I was like walking towards it and he's like, he was like some, I don't know where he was going, but he was like crossed my path. And he like introduced himself and was being so nice. And I was like, oh my God, this is such, this is such a beautiful moment. Like, I'm just going to remember this forever. And so then maybe like two minutes later, I've, I've you know, we said our goodbyes and I've reached my bush. And I'm like doing my wee. And the next thing I know is like poor Rashid Elmarabadi is like turned around wherever he's going. And my super high moment of meeting him has turned like gone to super low when he's like seeing my bum as I'm popping a squad. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. This is that or you made his dad. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> poor guy. So um, yeah, I just feel like it was a very it's a very humbling I think it was a very humbling experience. And leveling. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Odd. Yeah. That's nice that, um, that he was a nice, mm. you know, the humble guy too. Yeah. Someone and who's won it seven times. Exactly. And like one of the other people I met who was who I really thank got over was Gemma Game. And um, I just thought she was a superstar. Um, and like sitting behind us on the bus was like Ragda who won it for the females. And it was like they were all, every, oh, just everyone. Like yeah. I wouldn't, I would struggle to find like a bad word to say against anyone there really that I met. Well, um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're in that company, though. Regardless of what you say, I think you're in the top 20 females. And, like, I know, I'll say it again, but, yeah, it's a really good performance. Remember when I first, one of the first conversations I think I had with you on the phone, and I mentioned to you about um, the ultra runner, Courtney DeWalter. Yeah? And there you go. You did the name proud then, the Courtney name. I wish I could claim. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One day. One day I hope to be as good as that, Courtney. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I think um, we've covered a lot of stuff, so it's great work. Um, so, so coming up next, you are do what are you looking at? Um, I'm still finalising, but I think I'd probably want to do something more local, like something in 2019 more local. Um, and I think probably working on like improving my marathon time would be good. Um, and I would... Yeah, so I'm probably so we've probably we've discussed Melbourne Marathon uh, in October this year, um, and I would like to try and do that with like sort of a Boston qualification time, um, but we will see. That's probably that's my tentative goal. But I just got back from overseas, and I should probably. No, it's good to make. This is when you've got to make the goals because it's a very real thing. Is then that post race de yeah. depression, and so it's good to have your next plan yeah. in sight. Um, the and the last thing I wanted to. 
um, bring up is your if you're interested like the charity that you run for oh, yes. and because I want I think it's a good thing to leave people with thinking about um, and I'll put a link to oh, the charity yeah. so what was the charity that you were running for so I ran for um, Pancare Australia so in uh, in 2016 my dad died of pancreatic cancer um, which unfortunately has one of the highest mortality rates of all cancers um, it's sitting at sort of between a seven and eight percent five-year survival rate currently and there's been very limited um, sort of gains recently in terms of research in terms of pancreatic cancer so Pancare is an organization that's independent it's Australian based um, and and it um, supports both research in pancreatic cancer, but also support services for families and those suffering from pancreatic cancer. Um, and so I organised a thing through GoFundRaise, which currently, so initially I was like, oh, it'd be awesome if we can get like $1,000. And it's currently sitting at um, a bit over $7,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, which is awesome. Um, it's not too late. To no. No, yeah. it's not. Um, so it's still, it's still open now. Um, I... And if you, like, you can either, we'll post a link, or if you just Google, go fundraise Courtney Dowd, it will, uh, it'll come up with the link as well. And um, any, you know, no amount is too small. Anything yeah. people are willing to donate would be fantastic. It's, um, yeah, pancreatic cancer is awful. My uncle uh, passed away from pancreatic cancer probably oh, over 10 years ago, but um, just saw how quickly he wasted away, and it's horrible. And so, yeah. That's fantastic that you're doing that. And um, yeah, so I guess we'll, um, we'll say goodbye. We've gone, I usually stick to about an hour, but this has been a good conversation. I think everyone will be stoked to hear your story. Trail runners love a, love a long podcast where they can, <laughs> it's an hour and 20 minutes, so they can go out and uh, at least get an hour, at least the first part of their long yeah. run. <laughs> yeah, so thank you very much, Courtney. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, look forward to working with you more. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me and thank you for all of your support as well. My pleasure. (laughs) Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Trail Runners Experience. I had lots of fun talking to Courtney. She's um, very outgoing and she's pretty amazing. Um, Just before we finish up, I just want to remind everybody that there's an ongoing promotion for Infinite Nutrition. Uh, if you just go to their Australian website, and as in infinitenutrition.com.au, um, you can get 10% off all of their products if you put in the discount code of DRU, that is DRU, uh, when you go to purchase at the checkout. And the more I use their product, the happier I am. And a lot of my athletes are really starting to use it now and they're absolutely loving it. It's very simple, you know, and the way I see it, you've got to, you've got to eat right when you're running, you know, it doesn't matter how fit you are, if you don't put the right fuel into your engine, you're just going to run out of gas, okay? And make sure you get out there and have a run and take care of your mental health as well as your physical health. All right, have a good day.